well, anyway, I'm a nice guy, right? <laughs> Romans chapter 12, verse 12. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now it is he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people. Then you won't become weary and give up. And what, what, the Bible, what Paul the Apostle is saying in the book of Romans chapter 12 is that life is like a race. And we got to keep on going. It says, for the joy that's set before us. There's a call on our lives to keep on running. It says to be just like Jesus who refused to give up. They cursed him. They spat upon him. They mocked him. They tried to kill him. And he refused to stop running the race that the Father had called him to run. And, the, and Paul is saying, you all do the same. You see, and, and this year we started off with the challenge. And, and many of you participated. You got off to a strong start. I heard a lot of testimonies and even saw on Facebook where many, many of you have had encounters with God. Some of you have had breakthroughs, miracles. You've seen the supernatural. Some of you have had visitations. You, you've experienced the presence of God over this month. And everywhere I travel to different churches, it seems like everyone is doing the same thing. Well, we want to get the year started off right. And people are getting serious about God, and they're praying and fasting. They're getting into the Word. But see, the challenge was not meant to be a seasonal event, but it was meant to be a lifestyle. I'm believing that this year isn't like all the other years, where we start off the year strong, we start fasting, we start focusing on the Lord, and around October and November, I can't wait for this year to end. I can't wait for 2016. Oh, a new year is coming. Why? Because God has given us everything we need, not only to start the race, but to finish well, to finish strong in him. See, otherwise it's like people filling up on steaks throughout the whole month of January and then decide in the rest of the year, I'm only going to eat on Sundays. I'm all filled up from January. Now and now when February comes, once a week on Sunday, I'll come and eat, and that's it. See, it should be for you just the beginning. I, I, I'm going to quote one of the great theological minds of our time, Dr. Phil. 
And here's what he said. Life is a marathon, not a sprint. See, you've got to make it till the end. And God has given you the tools. He has equipped you with everything that you need to get over every hurdle, every obstacle, everything that the enemy would try to put in your path. The, the, those of you who, who joined us a few weeks ago in, in reading through the book of John, well, in John chapter 10, verse 9, Jesus said, I am the gate. Those who come in through me will be saved. They will come and go freely and will find good pastures. The thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life, not a rich and satisfying month, but throughout the year, throughout your days, no matter what the enemy comes to try to steal, kill, and destroy, Jesus is always at work, and his heart is always to bless you, always to elevate you, always to encourage you, always to lift you up out of that mess, to finish well, to walk in his blessing. And a few weeks ago, when I preached, I spoke about Jacob. And I talked about all the years where he lived in, in an abusive relationship with his father-in-law who stole his money. He intimidated him. He manipulated him. He lied to him. And still Jacob stood in that relationship until one day... God visited him. He had an encounter with God, and God told him, pack up your stuff and go back to the place where I promised you. See, years before, Jacob, he laid down in a place called Bethel, and he had a dream where he met God, and God promised him, I will always be with you. You will do great things. You will be the father of many nations. Many lives will be touched through you. He had the promise, but for the next 20 years, he lived in misery. Nothing was happening until one day God revisited him, and he said, remember the dream that I gave you. Remember the promise. Get up. Take your family and go back to Bethel. Go back to the place where I met you. Go back to the place of promise. Whatever you got to do to get free, whatever you have to do to loose yourself from your situation, God told, told Jacob, you don't live in a place of compromise and settling, but you go for my best. You go for the dream. You go for the promise. So Jacob, he took his family, he took God at his word, he packed up his stuff, his animals, but there was only one problem. Along the way, he was going to have to face his past. He was going to have to face off with his brother Esau, who Jacob had cheated out of the blessing. In Genesis 27, verse 41, 
It says Esau, who is Jacob's brother, he held a grudge against Jacob because of the blessing his father had given him. He said to himself, the days of mourning for my father are near, then I will kill my brother Jacob. See, he had a promise. He had a blessing ahead, but there was a major fear that stood in front of him. The fear of confronting the relative who was out to kill him. See, and, and I'm going to fast forward right now about 4,000 years because it's the same way for many of us today. Many of us are held back by our fears. Many of us, we're not willing to, to keep on in the race. We're stuck. And, and, and I just want to go over some of the fears that we have even today, thousands of years later, because the Bible is just as applicable and relevant today as it was back then. People tell me all the time, oh, the Bible, that doesn't suit us today. It doesn't fit our culture. Well, maybe our culture needs to fit the Bible. See, many of God's people are stuck. They don't go on in the race because of fear of failure. Well, what if I start a ministry and it flops? What, what if I start a, a business and it doesn't succeed? And so many of God's people never preach the sermon, never, never dance the dance, never, never write the poem that God placed in them. God has placed a treasure in you. And if you're afraid of failure, it's going to rob you. You're going to stay stuck. How many people God's called to change careers? Oh, but maybe I'll mess up. If I go back to school, maybe I'll fail. So let me, let me just stay in the place of failure. But can I tell you? I'm just going to be honest today about everything. I've had many failures even in ministry. I've had done many events where nobody showed up. I had healing meetings where nobody got healed. And not worse than that, people have asked me for prayer for healing. I Pray, lay hands on them. I command the sickness to go. I say, how do you feel now? They say, now I feel worse since you prayed for me. <laughs> uh, how do you like that? <laughs> I've had outreaches where no one got saved. I've asked people to come up and give a short testimony, and instead they preach for an hour, and I look over and Pastor George is, Pointing at his watch, you know, we got to move on. I poured myself out through the years on a lot of people who did nothing but waste my time. People who I spent hours on and they did nothing. And, and afterwards gossiped about me. But can I also tell you something? It's been worth it because through the years I've seen enough changed lives. I've seen enough people saved that it's made it all worthwhile and that I would do it all over again. I would face the, the failures again 
because even if it was just for those few people who caught hold of the vision and stepped out, it's all worth it. I'm not going to be held back by, a, by fear of failure. Maybe some of you heard of a, a man named Ray Kroc who for years failed in real estate and, and one day decided to start a burger joint named McDonald's or about Colonel Sanders. His whole life he failed at everything, but his dream all along was to cook chicken. And people ridicule chicken. You're not going to get anywhere cooking chicken. <laughs> when he was 70 years old, he finally said, and he was a man of God, he said, I'm going to follow the vision God gave me. And he was the founder of KFC at 70 years old. And through the years, he never cooked the chicken because he had people telling him, that's a failure, that's a waste. Thomas Edison said that he failed 10,000 times before he learned to work the first light bulb. He didn't call it a failure, he called it an education. See, I've learned more through my failures than through the successes. And you know what I've learned more than anything else? That God is faithful. The Bible says that a righteous man falls seven times, and every time he gets up. I don't get up because there's anything in me to pull me up. How many times I'd love to just stay down. It's a lot easier. But God, he keeps pulling me back up and says, keep on running. Keep on going. If you fail, you fail. But there's victory ahead because God is the God of victory. The, the second fear that, that keeps people from stepping out, from completing their race, is the fear of getting hurt. You see, even in the church world through the years, I've trust, many times I've trusted the wrong people. I, I've been hurt and disappointed many times where I wanted to give up, believing empty promises. Getting to the point where I, I don't trust anyone. Who's going to go with me? Who can I turn to? But can I also tell you, I thank God for the few that have been faithful. Men and women of integrity. It's been worth it for those few. For those few people who said, I'm with you to the end. I'll keep walking with you. I'll keep holding you up. You see, people will fail you. I'll tell you, I say it almost every time I speak. People are going to break their promises and fail you. But if that holds you back, it's never, you're never going to get to the place of promise. You'll never fulfill your dreams. Focus on that one. God, God will put somebody in your path who will walk with you, who will stay with you, who will be faithful to the end. Many people never do what God called them to do because they're afraid of looking like a fool. Galatians chapter 1, verse 10. This is again Paul the Apostle. Am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? 
or am I trying to please people? If I was still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of God. You've got to stop worrying about what you look like to people, what people are going to think. You're never going to please people. And that's why Paul says, I don't, I'm not out to please you, he told the Corinthians church. If you don't like what I'm preaching, then, then lump it. But I'm going to speak what God speaks because I have an audience of one. He's the only one that you got to please in this life. <coughs> you, you see, especially in the ministry that I have, God's given me the ministry of the prophetic which means speaking, hearing from God and speaking it. And many places I've gone, people have called me, uh, witch, said I do witchcraft. People mo have mocked what I do. One pastor told me, oh, that ministry, that's only for mentally challenged people. We're not going to have nothing to do with you. A few years ago, I went, there was a, somebody in a church invited me to an outreach. They said, come out to the outreach and we'll prophesy over people, unsaved people, like Jesus did. He gave prophetic words. When I got there, the pastor found out what he'd do. He says, take your stuff and go home. We don't want any psychics here. Even though the whole word of God says to prophesy, encourage people, hear the word his my sheep know my voice. 1 Corinthians 14.31, you can all prophesy. Acts chapter 2, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, men and women, sons and daughters, and they will prophesy. But yet people have screamed at me. Not the world. When, when they give pro prophetic words out in the world, they love it. They get excited. It's when I meet a lot of church people out there who want you to stay in their religious box. And I faced many mocking people. But you know what? It's never stopped me. After that, one pastor told me to go home. Another pastor called me a few weeks later to do another outreach. I said, I'm on the way. Because I've decided I, I give God my reputation. I don't care what you think of me anymore. See, there was a time that I wouldn't do anything because I was so worried about what people thought of me. I used to be stopped in my tracks. <coughs> give up your reputation. How, how many people never... Never preach a sermon even though they're capable. Oh, I'm afraid what people, I'm going to mess up and people are going to laugh at me. I'm not going to come up and dance. What, what, if, what if I mess up? I'll look like a joke. Who cares? I'm tired of seeing people robbed of their destiny because they're afraid of what someone's going to think. It's pretty funny when you think about it. And the fourth thing, fear of the unknown. You see, sometimes it feels safer to live with the fantasy rather than to risk the reality. I've known so many people through the years. God called me to start a ministry, a soup kitchen. We're going to feed the homeless. 
I see the same people 25 years later. Oh, one day I'm going to do it. And you know what? They're never going to do it. Can we get real? Those things where you keep saying, one day, one day I'm going to go back to school. One day I'm going to start that business that God showed me. One day I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try out for the worship team. One day, someday, that day isn't coming. You can't live in a place of safety and run the race. You've got to put it all out on the line. <clears throat> I don't know about you, but I've decided a long time ago, for me, it's do or die. If I don't make it, I'm going to die trying. You see, we, we, in the Bible, we talk about people from thousands of years ago. And maybe you think, well, they did it back then. They didn't have all the obstacles that we have today and, and all the issues and problems. They lived a simple life. So I'm going to call Stacy out of the counting room. Come on, Stacy, we're calling you out. Let's have a big hand for Stacy. I, I want to show you a modern-day Jacob right now. Amen. Um, so Pastor Gary contacted me this week and said he wanted me to give my testimony about going back to school. And he knows how reluctant I am about being up here. So he says, it's just like what you do on Facebook. Just do it on the stage. <laughs> it's not the same, by the way. <laughs> but... Um, so the, the quick testimony, I guess, is um, I dropped out of high school when I was about 17 or 18. I fell in love and got engaged, and I, I wanted to just hurry up and get married and start life. And so um, I never did college, and it was never even an option for me. Um, I just thought, I'm going to just get married, and then I got a job, and it was a pretty good job for a 20-year-old. Um, and I never thought about it. Um, I thought, I'm, I'm just going to start life, and I'm not going to do that. So, and the thought of it, like I, I was already like a super senior in high school when I dropped out. And the thought of going back to school was just, it wasn't appealing to me. Um, and then I started working at a new job about five years ago. And I found myself surrounded by really smart, successful, people, nurses and doctors and PAs and nurse practitioners and even the, the secretaries that were secretaries along with me were all in school and I was the only one that wasn't and you know they would tell me almost on a daily basis like Stacy you're so smart you should go to school you should and I was always like no <laughs> I have no interest in going back to school I'm good I'm comfortable and I'm fine you know um, and there was this one, one of the secretaries, we would have lunch on a daily basis and almost on a daily basis would spend the entire hour convincing me and kind of telling me like, this is all you have to do. Just start, baby steps, you know. Um, so that along with being here and listening to, to preachings and, and teachings about just taking a step and, and kind of putting your fears to the side and I think that's what I realized was that I was fearful you know, I was afraid that I wasn't going to succeed or I wasn't going to like it or how long is it going to take before I finally finish, you know? 
Um, and I'm a nursing student now, and it's gonna take me a long time. <laughs> I'm only in my third semester. I'm doing, you know, it's my second year, but I'm already a sophomore in college. Me and Chadi, because Chadi's doing it with me. <laughs> you know, and, and honestly, I love it. I love it. I didn't think I would, but I love it. Like, just going to class and, and listening to a professor and doing homework, I love it. I didn't think I would. But, you know, my whole idea of education and college and everything, I mean, my whole perspective changed. Like, I used to say to myself, my kids are not going to go to college. I'm not going to spend thousands of dollars for them to figure life out, you know, be a liberal arts major. Not that there's anything wrong with that. It's just that that's what I thought. I thought you go to school, you're a liberal arts major, and you never figure it out. You spend all this money, and then you graduate, and what do you do with this? I know that's not true anymore <laughs> for you liberal arts majors. Um, but that was my perception, and it was very bad. It was a bad one. Um, I thought my kids are going to graduate high school and they're going to go to a trade school. Well, now if you ask them, they're absolutely going to college, you know? <laughs> I'm like, again, my whole perspective has changed. And everyone at my job is like there. And everyone around me here and Pastor George and Michelle and Mo, like I have all these friends around me. Even Mo and, and Michelle have master's degrees. And Michelle did it after she was an adult as well, you know? So I just... The encouragement was there, and I encourage you guys, whether it's to go back to school or start a business or whatever, um, do it. Like, one of the things I thought of when Pastor Gary asked me to, to speak, I said, but I'm not done yet. You know, like, what if I don't finish? Or wouldn't it, be, wouldn't it be a better testimony if I'm standing up here saying, I got my degree and, you know, I'm a nurse or whatever, but the fact that, I'm, that I started is a testimony in and of itself. Because you can't finish something if you don't start. So be encouraged. Amen. Okay, go back in the room and watch the money. We need people watching our money here. So I want you to hear one more testimony. I'm going to ask for Yami Let to come up. I've known very few people in my Christian life that's had to face the things that she's had to face and, and to keep on running, to keep going. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Gary. So every time I plan a trip, I think I'm planning a trip. It's just to come on vacation. But, you know, Pastor Gary has me right before then. Hi, Yami. When are you coming? Oh, I'm preaching that week. <laughs> it's, so, it's hilarious. But I'm glad to be here, amen. Um, well, my heart was the heart of Jacob. It's, it's where I just want to read a scripture real quick. I didn't read this so far. But, okay, in my struggles, like Jacob struggled, one of the things I look at and, you know, really focusing on what God tells us but my biggest thing was when um, Jacob says, I am unworthy of all kindness and faithfulness. You have shown your servant. I had only my staff when I crossed this Jordan, but now I have become two groups. Save me, I pray, from the hand of my brother Esau, for I am afraid he will come and attack me and also the mothers with their children. But you have said I will surely make you prosper and will make you 
your descendants like the sand of the sea, which cannot be counted. And <clears throat> in my life, in my struggle, I, I mean, it goes back to how he struggled and how he had to deal with his brother and how he had to forgive in that struggle. I've had to learn how to forgive in the struggle of losing my son. I've had to learn how to forgive in the struggle of running and moving on and learning how to take life. I've had to learn how to not give up and know that God has given me the strength to move on. And, you know, we look at things and say, how does she do it? Well, I only do it because I trust in God. I believe and he holds me and he tells me, don't let your heart be troubled. And he will tell me, I love you. And he will tell me, you're beautiful. And he will tell me, get up, walk again. If you think that what you hear, when you hear it, it's not gonna, if you take it and you run with it and you look up, like I, I live in Florida now, I moved from here guys, and I drive my car, but I look up to the sky a lot. Some people say, focus on what you're doing. You could crash. So, you know, I'm just looking up because when I look up, I know I could keep going. You know, I know I could keep going forward and forward. And I'm like, God, I know you're there. God, you helped me through this. God, I know that you're going to be just and faithful in what you have put me through. Like, to hear your son has died is like, okay, how you deal with that? What do you think I said? I had to be bold and ask God for that, for that boldness and strength. And he gave it to me. And it's in Psalm, I think, 138. When I called, you answered me. You made me bold and stout-hearted. And God has given me, he's made me that, but it's because I don't lose that focus. People, the other day I was walking in the street and somebody, I was, I'm in the doctor's office sharing my te um, testimony with some people, because I, I could speak to anybody in, outside. My kids say, Ma, you're always talking, you never be quiet. But in reality, I'm really quiet. Like, I could be the most quietest person. But when I start talking about what I've been through and I start telling pure strange people in the street, they're like, but, oh my God, I would have killed that person by now. And I'm me, I would have held him like, I, I don't know how you walk, you know, I don't know how you living like that. And I turned around and I said to the guy, I'm living because God gave me the strength to stand up. He gave me the strength to be here today telling you this. But what am I going to do with coming back and chasing after somebody that I don't know and keep my heart filled with evil thoughts when I have two more kids to look for at home, you know? And I, have, I want them to be successful. I want them to, to be, you know, be good. But... Why, if I show them anger all the time and that I'm angry and that I'm upset at that situation, how are they going to go on? I said, you know, God told me that he was just. I said, do you know, do you know that, he, that he really said that he is just? And to me, he's been really faithful, even in that storm that I was going through, even in that struggle, even in the struggle of having to leave New York where I grew up at and live here in Florida and hardly know nobody. You know, that's a struggle within itself. We have to go and meet new people. And... I said to the guy, you know, I'm just going to leave it in God's hands because he's just. And I know he's going to give me what I want. The same way he gave me the strength to handle the situation at the time, the same way he's giving me the strength to keep running and keep praising him and not giving up on him. You know, the point here is don't give up on God. Whether he promised us eternal life. 
He didn't say when, how, how is it going to be, what are you going to lose in between. You know, he didn't give us all those, you know, little things on the side. He said, just don't give up. Don't give up. And I won't give up. I'll praise him each and every day. I thank him each and every day. I gain my strength through his word. But not just in the struggle. He's my provider. And I think I've shared stories like this before. But every time I come back here, I have a bigger and bigger story to share. And, you know, he's taught me in the past few months how to be a good budgeter. Because if we don't learn how to budget, man, we give up, we give up and we lose a lot. So behind all my struggles, moving to Florida and having to make new friends, meet new people, you know, start a new life over there, um, I struggle. I struggle because I'm not around friends. I struggle because I'm not here at my home church. There's no better church than this one. I'm just kidding. <laughs> and, um, but I stay connected, and I'm always with my home church because this is my home church. Um, but in the, in the struggles, you know, I moved to Florida, and even in my struggles, losing my, my finances. Losing finances is not easy. Um, you know, I could say, I have a new car this year. And I had a car that left me broke, like completely broke with no money, right? And all of a sudden, God gives me a new car. But he didn't give it to me how I thought I was going to have it. I was saying, oh, I'm going to have a new car. I'm going to have a new car. I did speak life into saying I was having a new car, but I didn't say, I didn't think I was going to get it the way I got it. Anyway, making a long story short, uh, about when I was here in August, I went back home, my car broke. I stood completely with no money. And the Lord said, you know, I'm praying and I'm saying, God, this car has me stressed out. I don't know what I'm going to do. I, I have to drive to work. If I don't have a car, I can't make it. And all of a sudden, I'm so overwhelmed and so overstressed. So I just kneel down and say, oh, God, here I go again. I need some more. I need something. I need you. You know, I need it. And here we go. He's like, okay. I'm praying, and I have no credit, people. And I'm not afraid to say it. Like, I have no credit. You know, I have zero score on some things. And, and I've applied for credit cards. I don't own not even one. And I'm excited about that because I don't have to pay those debts. <laughs> but, you know, in the struggle of not having, sometimes you need those things. But it's, it's, a, it's a struggle not to have them, but it's also a good thing not to have one, you know. And I say to people, I'm glad I don't have that. But, you know. God is good. He opened my, I, I got a car with no credit, with no co-signer anyway. Um, I didn't have the money at the time for a down payment. And I got approved. And before I got approved, I was praying about it. And the Lord said, baby blue. I said, okay, what's baby blue? And all of a sudden, about 5 o'clock in the evening, I had spoken to this guy at 12 o'clock. He said, oh, yeah, I'm going to check, and I'll call you back in half an hour. I was already, I said, well, I can't get a new car. I don't know. I'm going to make it to work. Jesus, how am I going to do this? And by 5 o'clock, the guy calls me and says, you've gotten approved. Your car has been picked out. You have no say-so to what kind of, you know. I said, I, I told him, I don't need nothing fancy. I just need a car. And he said, okay. The point was that, at the end of that, I didn't have the money for a down payment. By the next day, I, I had a new car. And three weeks later, we had the money for a down payment. And I didn't even think I was going to have a new car in that way. I thought I was going to have a car because I was going to go buy it with my money and I was going to put a nice down payment on it. But you know what? God said, that's not the way you're going to have it. You're going to have it the way I'm going to give it to you because I am your provider. 
So, um, and my struggle, you know, I live every day and knowing that there's someone out there that also um, murdered my son. But my biggest struggle is moving up with that, keeping on, not giving up, and forgiving, and letting God take hold of that. And he's going to show me that. I'm seriously, one day I'm going to stand here, you know, and I'm going to say, I have overcome. I have seen justice. And he's going to give it to me. And my, as long as I focus on him and saying, God, you know, it's like struggling with God, like Jacob struggled and fought with him, and he wouldn't give up. Well, that's what I, my struggle. I'm like, I'm always battling with God. I'm saying, you know, I'm not giving up, but you're going to show me what I want. And I believe that. But in my heart, I have to forgive. I have to, you always have to forgive and just let go and just know that he's going to give it to me. The same way he's giving me everything else I have, my kids, my family, my friends, Everything. I have everything. I mean, I didn't go to school. I didn't finish high school. You know, I'm a working mom. And I didn't keep on with a career. I'm not saying I can't do that because I love to cook, you know. But I could probably open my own business. I could do whatever I want because with him, nothing is impossible. Okay? So, amen. Love you all. Amen. Thank you. You see, she overcomes not because she put aside one month to fast and pray and read the Word. She's in the Word every day. Every day she comes to God. See, in the next part of the story, when Jacob was on his way to meet his brother, God appeared to him, and Yamilet said that she had times fighting with God. Well, Jacob, he encountered God himself, and he fought him all night. How many of you have ever fought with God all night and kept wrestling with him? And you know how Jacob was blessed in the end? By saying, God, I give up. I can't do it. It's only when you realize it's not in your own strength that the power comes, that the blessing comes. That's how Yamilet gets through today, 4,000 years after Jacob, because she knows in her own strength she can't do it. The memory of her son's murder comes back and tries to rob from her, but she keeps on going, keeps pressing on. <coughs> Why? Because like Jacob, she's had an She's had encounters with God. And then finally, Jacob met up with his biggest fear, his brother Esau. And I'm going to ask those who are serving communion to come. And he, Jacob had a whole strategy. He told his family, you stay here. We'll put the kids in the back in case he starts wiping us all out. Maybe a few people will get saved. And he had a whole plan. And finally, he met up with Jacob, who promised to kill him. And it was just like that blizzard last week. 
You know, the blizzard was supposed to be the worst snowstorm in history. We got to shut down the subways and the schools. Nobody can go to work. And it turned out to be a little bit of snow. Well, that's what God did with Jacob. All that worry, all that fear was all for nothing. See, last week, Luke talked about the favor of God with Queen Esther and the king. God gave favor to Jacob. And he won the victory, all the worry for nothing. How many hours of sleepless nights have you spent all for nothing? <coughs> you see, victory flows out of relationship with God. It's not about you and what you could do. If it's up to me, I would have given up a long time ago. I've experienced enough in church to walk away years ago, but I've taken hold with God. I've wrestled with him, and I keep on encountering him. Every day I keep coming back to him, and every day he brings me through one more day. That's all he promised, one more day. Another, I'm going to make it through today. And we're going to have communion in a minute. And when you get the elements of the communion, I'm going to ask you to hold it so we could all do it together. But in the meantime, as they're serving communion, for the, for the first time on our stage after a long absence, let's welcome back CJ. Okay, serve the Declare to you 
If I could sing like that, I'd make a million dollars. I mean, dancing. I already can sing like that. But I'm going to ask Pastor George to join me up here. Because we're going to take communion right now. You see, the bread represents the broken body of Jesus. See, he poured out his life. His body was broken. They whipped him. They beat him. But he refused to stop, no matter what they did. And do you know why? Because he couldn't bear to live eternity without you. As he was dying on the cross, you were on his mind. The Bible said he could have called down angels that would have rescued him. But he stood there till the end. He finished his race. He did everything God called you to do. Called him to do. So that you could be everything God called you to be. There's nothing can stop you. I'm believing for every one of you that this is the best year of your life. You're not only going to start strong. You're going to finish even better. No more regrets. No more looking back. You face that fear. In fact, we're not going to have ministry at the altar, but right after the service, the healing ministry is going to be in the room back there to minister to you privately if there are any fears that you're dealing with in your life. Don't settle anymore because you know what happened to Jacob? God told him to go to Bethel. And he ended up in another place called Sukkot. He said, this place looks nice. And he fell short. He took the comfortable way. He settled. And it cost him another 10 years, wasted 10 years of his life. Don't waste one more year, one more day. This is your time. Your season is right now. So just take the bread. And before you take it, if you're saying, I'm going to follow the example of Jesus. I'm going to face the enemy. I'm going to face every fear. I'm not going to stop until I complete everything God has for me. Whatever the cost, I'm going to ask you to stand right now in the presence of God. Father, I thank you, Lord God, for the broken body of Jesus. Yes. I thank you for the price that he paid, that he endured the cross. And the Bible says in the book of Colossians, it says he didn't feel cheated by doing it. He didn't feel cheated, giving up everything, even dying. And the book of Colossians says it was worth it to him to give it all up for you so that you can excel, so that you can fulfill your destiny, to sing those songs, preach those sermons, change this world, change this culture, get out of the box. Father, we partake right now in Jesus' name. Now we're going to take the cup representing the blood of Jesus. 
And I'm going to issue you another challenge before we do this. Can we do a new challenge, Pastor George? Yeah. Out in the lobby, we have sign-up sheets for every ministry in this church. I challenge you, those who are not participating in this year, to take a baby step. Say, I'm afraid, but I'm going to do it anyway. This week on Facebook, I saw that Gretchen put a, a post from the book of Joshua where Joshua said, be strong and courageous. Being courageous doesn't mean I'm not afraid. I'm scared half of the things I do, but I do it anyway because yeah. I know that God is greater than my fears. And this blood, this symbol of the blood, is everything you need. There's power in the blood. There's healing in the blood. There's victory in the blood. And I plead it over you right now in Jesus' name. I plead the blood of Jesus to enable you, to unlock you, to move on, to step out, to complete the race. In Jesus' name, let's partake right now. And in closing, I asked Pastor George to come because something he did many years ago totally changed who I am in ministry. Because in my past, or any pastors I've dealt with, if, I, if there was any failure, if there was any appearance of messing up, oh, that reflects on me, so they get angry. So I would be afraid to try anything to step out because of pastors who told me, oh, no, you can't do that. You're going to make me look bad. And one day, I came, when they first came in this church, Pastor George said, I free you to fail, to step out, and it's okay if you fall on your face. And I'm going to ask, in closing, I ask Pastor George to do that for you right now. Amen. Isn't it amazing the way God is just moving and orchestrating everything as if it was all planned today? Even the prophetic words that were shared um, right after worship mentioned New Year's, mentioned starting a new, starting brand new. Guess what? Today's February 1st. It's a, it's, it's a, God, God has given us a new new year. Amen. So, so listen, I just, th those of you, and I'm seeing it already, and it's beautiful. There's families that used to be involved in ministry, and now you're back involved in ministry again. And now I see you stepping out and, and taking steps and to, to participate and, and taking steps to be a part of the body. And, and that just does my heart so well. Amen? So I imagine how it pleases God. And so it, those of you that haven't yet or, or that you're still kind of waiting, I just release you today. To It's February 1st. Let's start brand new. Let's get back into this thing. Let's step out into the things that God has for us. Amen. And so I free you to take a step and try something. And if you mess up and if you fail and if you fall on your face, your brothers and sisters here are going to pick you back up. We're going to help you dust off. We're going to put a patch. We're going to put a Band-Aid. Amen? And we're going to say, let's go again. And, and so I just challenge you to step out and do something. I challenge you to try. I release you to fail. I release you to mess up. I release you to try something else. Because guess what? If you blow it this month, there's March 1st coming. <laughs> Woo! Come on. This is, a good, this is a whole good message right here. And if you mess up in March, guess what? 
there's April 1st coming. Not, not April Fool's, but April 1st. Amen. Don't try to trick us on April Fool's. But, but what I'm saying is God allows us to start again. God allows us to fall, to get up, say, God, I messed up. Well, God, I love you, but God, I'm trying to do this thing. And God says, good, come. Come. Amen? Come. Oh, man. So let's just, let's just pray once again to close, to release like you said, we're not going to do an altar ministry here. We want to we take the time to do that in private for you if that's what you need. If you need to, to have somebody pray and speak life into you. If you need healing from the fears, from your failures. We want to we wanna do that in private in the side room. So those are going to be open for a while. You can just come right after I, I dismiss you right now. So, so right now, let's just pray. Father, we just thank you for your renewing grace. We thank you, God, for... The, the scripture that says our failures are not final because you throw them into the sea of forgetfulness. We, thankful, we thank you, God, that you're a forgetful God when it applies to our benefit, God. We thank you that your word says that we can come to you and be forgiven and be renewed and be restored. And we thank you that you don't hold anything against us. We thank you that as we partook today in the, in the body and the blood as you said to do in remembrance of you, Lord God. We do that today. We did that today in remembrance of that day when our sin was paid for in full. Of that day when our debt was forgiven in full. And so, Father, we dust ourselves up. We get back on our feet today. And we start brand new. And so, Father, I just thank you for that release today on your people. A brand new, a fresh start. A fresh start. Come on, praise God, somebody. Can we, can we, can we dismiss, this is weird, but can we dismiss with a 10987 like a New Year thing? Amen? And at the count of one, we just celebrate and we just leave here blessed and being a blessing. Amen? Ready? Ten. Nine. Eight. Seven. Six. Five. Four. Three. Two. One. Amen. Amen. Be a blessing. Go. Go.